Hi there, and welcome to Totally His Running the Race, a show enabling young men and women who want to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Tim Harris, podcasting from EI School of Biblical Training in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for joining. This is episode 10 of 12, which means we're getting close to the end of our podcast series. The theme for this podcast series, as you just heard, is Running the Race. And it comes from Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 12, we, followers of Jesus, are told to lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely in order that we might run with endurance the race set before us. Well, in this episode and in the next episode, we're going to be thinking about hindrances that keep us from running well. In this episode, Caleb Borsick is going to talk about a sin that puts so many people in bondage and he'll share about the deliverance that the Lord can provide. In the next episode, I'll be sharing about a weight, not so much a sin, but a weight that can really keep us from running well. well. Let's go ahead and commit our time to the Lord, and then listen to what Caleb has to share. Father, I pray that each one listening to this episode would have that desire to run well, and to make that the priority, to run looking unto you to be willing to lay aside anything and everything that keeps us from running well. Speak to us through your servant. Provide deliverance for those that are entrapped by sin. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Last week, Colin Brazier reminded us of the key verse for this podcast series. Hebrews 12, 1-2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. There are sins that cling to us, aren't there? Sins that have us all tangled up and prevent us from running the way that we were intended to. One of the biggest areas of sin that we are dealing with in our culture is sexual sin. There are a lot of things that fit in this category from music to books to movies to acting out the things that we've seen and heard. This area of sin is both extremely prevalent and also extremely hard to break free from. But it isn't impossible. There is hope. 1 Corinthians 10.13 reminds us that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Did you get that? There isn't a temptation that comes our way that is impossible to get through. With every temptation, God provides a way of escape. So if God's Spirit lives in us, we are never truly trapped. Every temptation is like an escape room. There's always a way out. Every temptation comes with an escape plan. So we know that it is possible to break free from sexual sin habits. But what's the big deal? Isn't everybody doing it? Well, 
Let me give you three reasons to throw off sexual sin. Number one, this is a matter of life and death. Heaven and hell are on the line. And, and we'll talk more about that later in this episode. The second reason is if you go back to our second episode in the series, we talked about how we are created for a purpose. And the purpose that we were created for was to receive and reflect the goodness of God, to know God and make him known, to live in relationship with God and extend that relationship to others. So there's this receiving and reflecting side. There's this relationship and representation side of the purpose we were created for. But sin destroys both of these things. First of all, sin destroys relationship. Psalm 24 is a psalm that's asking the question, who is going to live near God and who's going to carry his presence into the world? And the answer that the psalm gives is this. It's the person who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has kept himself from idols, who lives honestly. That's the person that's going to receive the blessing of the Lord, the righteousness of the God of Jacob. So, sin affects our relationship. Now, is our relationship with Jesus based on our own merits, our own behavior, our own perfection? Absolutely not. But sin damages relationship. 1 John 1 reminds us that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. So it's impossible to walk in darkness and have fellowship with the light. It cannot be done. Sin destroys relationship. Thirdly, sin destroys our opportunity to reflect God in the world. Um, how do we go and represent a God uh, that we, we're not experiencing? Uh, so we're going to tell the world that he's a savior, he's a redeemer, he satisfies. And all the while we're going to drink from a different water source. That's not much of a testimony. That doesn't represent him well. And so when we walk in a pattern of sin, we we destroy our opportunity to reflect who God really is to the world. So three reasons. It's a matter of life and death. It destroys relationship and it destroys testimony. So we know it's possible to break free from sexual sin habits and we know that it's important, but how do we do it? How can we be free? Well, it's impossible to give a complete answer to this question in 20 minutes. So what I want to do is look at one aspect of pursuing freedom that comes from Jesus' teaching on lust in the Sermon on the Mount. If after hearing this message you still feel stuck and you want some help, please feel free to reach out. If you're a guy, you can text me at 585-533-7088. That's 585-533-7088. And I would love to pursue freedom alongside you. If you're a girl, 
You can text my wife at 864-610-4137. That's 864-610-4137. And she would love to walk alongside, uh, alongside you towards freedom. It was a typical day for Kaiser, who is working on his 1,500-acre farm in Nebraska. Kaiser was moving grain from one bin to another when all of a sudden, his left foot got caught in the auger. He scrambled as the corkscrew-style blade cut off his foot and continued to pull his leg into the auger leaving him to wonder when or if it would stop. Later, in an interview, Kaiser said, I can remember telling myself, this ain't good. I just dropped to the ground and started pulling on my leg to try to get it out, but it wouldn't come. I didn't know how long it would be before someone would show up. I didn't know how long I would stay conscious. There wasn't a soul around, and Kaiser was about to give up when he realized that he still had his pocket knife. Knowing that his very life hung in the balance, he quickly drew out his knife and began sawing through his leg as fast as he could. Ugh. With every pass of the blade, he could feel tissue and tendons breaking away from his leg until finally... He was free. Kaiser crawled about 200 feet to his office and used the office phone to call his son, who made arrangements for him to be rushed to the hospital. And after a quick operation, the farmer survived. Wow. People do radical things when their life depends on it. Matthew 5, 29 through 30 says this. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jesus made three distinct points in this passage. Number one, lust can send you to hell, and therefore the way that you deal with it is a matter of life and death. Number two, victory over lust demands radical action. Number three, fighting means fleeing. Cut out the eye, remove the cause, minimize the opportunity. Let's define the word lust and then look at these points one at a time. To lust is to look at a person with your eyes or your mind's eye for the sake of feeding your sexual desires. To lust is to to look at a person with your eyes or your mind's eye for the sake of feeding your sexual desires. Lust is at the root of all sexual sin, and this is why Jesus addresses it. 
So point one, lust can send you to hell, and therefore the way that you deal with lust is a matter of life and death. When I hear that statement, my first response is, that's a little radical. Isn't that a bit of an exaggeration? And maybe you think something similar when we... um, When we hear teaching from the word that sounds a little radical, the first thing that we need to ask is, does this idea repeat itself elsewhere in scripture? The answer to that question is yes. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, And the list goes on. And he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5.5 You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 1 John 3, 4-10 Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, 1 John here is talking about a pattern of sin, an unbroken pattern of sin. So because of what we've seen in these passages, we know that an unbroken pattern of rebellion in the area of lust will indeed send a person to hell regardless of whether or not they've prayed the sinner's prayer or have grown up in a Christian family or any other common misunderstanding of salvation. Jesus said, You will know them by their fruit, and the trees that bear bad fruit get cut down and burned. The second question that I would want to ask about Jesus' teaching is, When Jesus says in verse 30 that your whole body could be thrown into hell if you don't radically deal with lust, isn't that implying salvation by works? The answer to that question is no. Paul taught in Romans chapter 5 that we are justified by faith alone and not by works of the law. However, James, the half-brother of Jesus, taught the other side of the coin when he said that faith without works is dead. Therefore, when we listen to both Paul and James, we learn that works cannot save, but saving faith always displays itself in works. Works cannot save, but saving faith always works. If the Spirit of Christ lives in you, then there will be evidence of his presence in your actual life, and the fruit of it will be a growing pattern of victory in the area of lust as well as every other area of life. If you are in an unbroken pattern of rebellion against God in the area of sexual sin, 
then you have good reason to doubt your salvation and good reason to fear the wrath of God. Now, I'm not alone in this view. John Piper speaks of a time when he confronted a man about the sexual sin that he was living in. He told the man, You know, Jesus says that if you don't fight this sin with the kind of seriousness that is willing to gouge out your eye, you will go to hell and suffer there forever. Piper says that as a professing Christian, this man looked at him in utter disbelief as though he had never heard anything like this in his life. He said to John Piper, You mean you think a person can lose his salvation? This is Piper's response, quote, I have learned again and again from first-hand experience that there are many professing Christians who have a view of salvation that disconnects it from real life and that nullifies the threats of the Bible and that puts the sinning person who claims to be a Christian beyond the reach of biblical warnings. I believe this view of the Christian life is comforting thousands who are on the broad way that leads to destruction. Matthew 7.13 Piper continues, quote, Jesus said, If you don't fight lust, you won't go to heaven. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Matthew 5.29 The point is not that true Christians always succeed in every battle. The issue is that we resolve to fight, not that we succeed flawlessly. We don't make peace with sin, we make war. End of quote. So, lust can send you to hell, and therefore the way that you deal with it is a matter of life and death. Point two, victory over lust demands radical action. Look at what Jesus says. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Can you imagine meeting someone in a grocery store, you're shopping and you see somebody with an eye patch and you go up to them and you say, what happened? And they say, well... I couldn't control myself and what I was looking at, so I got rid of the problem. That's pretty radical. Or what if somebody was walking around with um, one arm? They were missing an arm, and they, were, they needed to ask people for help carrying things. And, and so you, you go up to them and you say, what happened to your arm? And they say, well... I couldn't control myself. I, I was using it to um, do bad things, so I had to get rid of it. That would be, um, and notice Jesus says your right hand, so your dominant hand. Think about how inconvenient it would be to go through life without your right hand. That would be embarrassing. It would be inconvenient. It would be painful. But in Jesus' view, it would be worth it. 
Now, obviously, Jesus is not talking about actually taking out an eye or cutting off a hand. What he's talking about is getting rid of the cause of sin. What is the source? What is the cause? Get rid of it. Deal with sin radically. And this brings us to our third point. Fighting means fleeing. Cut out the eye. Remove the cause. Minimize the opportunity. Now, as I've shared this passage of scripture with guys that I have helped through this issue in the past, I've come against some strong opposition. These are the arguments that they bring to me. If somebody puts me in a prison cell where I have no access to anything, how, how is my good behavior really a demonstration of anything good in me? If I'm only resisting temptation because I don't have the opportunity, that's not a, not a good enough reason. I should say no because I love Jesus more, not because I don't have a choice. These are the arguments. And this is my response to that kind of thinking. The moment that you are faced with lust-provoking images or a book you shouldn't be reading, that's not the only moment that you have a choice. How did you get there? How did you get to that moment? The majority of the time, you made a dozen choices leading up to that moment, and if those choices led you there, they were probably bad choices most of the time. If you want to prove that you love Jesus more than lust, then I can think of a great way to do that. Run away. Do what he's asking you to do. Obedience to Jesus Christ has always been the primary way to express love to him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. In this case, his command is to pull out your eye, to run away, to remove the cause of sin. Most of the time we are called to stand and fight sin, but throughout scripture, God approaches lust differently. He urges us to run. And if you love him more, you will obey him. So we can put this command to cut off the eye, to remove the cause. We can put this command into two different categories, avoiding and running. Number one, avoiding. Romans 3, 11 through 14 says this, Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires." There's nothing great, there's nothing heroic about surrounding yourself with opportunities to lust or surrounding yourself with pornographic material or mindlessly scrolling on a site 
that something could come up or giving yourself access to the kind of books you know you shouldn't be reading. There's, there's nothing heroic about doing that so that when you choose to resist those things, you've really done a big thing. That is, that is not heroic. That is not the suggestion of Scripture. The teaching of Jesus is clear. Run away. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't give the flesh a back door. Job 31.1 I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Psalm 101.3 I have set before my eyes no vile thing. Isaiah 33.14-15 Who among us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises the gain of oppressions, who shakes his hands lest they hold a bride, who stops his ears from hearing bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking on evil. When it comes to lust, God has much more to say about avoiding the battle than what to do when the battle comes. And this, if I could leave you with one thing this morning, it would be that. Avoid temptation at all costs. Run away. Cut off the sources of sexual temptation in your life. It's so much easier to avoid the battle than to fight it. Without fuel, there can be no fire. That being said, there are times when temptation is unavoidable. And it's in those moments that we hear the word of God in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lusts. When temptation is unavoidable, when it comes across your path, you weren't looking for it, run away. Run, then reason. Okay? Uh, A lot of times people find themselves in a, a tempting situation and they're trying to think their way through it and they're trying to value God more and they're trying to resist the devil and they're trying to put on the new self and put off the old self. Run, then reason. Just get out of the situation first. Run away. Then do all the mind work of putting on the new self, of claiming your new identity, of, of nurturing a expulsive love for Christ. So, what does this mean for our use of phones and social media? Am I listening to the words of Jesus when I mindlessly scroll on a site that I know could produce in me lustful thoughts? Am I obeying the words of Jesus when I pick up the kinds of books that are going to lead to sexual fantasy? Am I listening to the words of Jesus when I watch the kind of movies that I know will have sexual material in them? Am I listening to the words of Jesus when I walk slowly through the mall, past stores that I know could produce 
sexual desire. Jesus' words are clear. Cut out the eye. Cut off the arm. Remove the opportunity. Make no provision for the flesh. Commit with your eyes to not look at evil. Run away from youthful lusts. So if we're going to run the race of the Christian life, we're going to press on to know God and make him known, then we are going to have to deal with sexual sin habits. May God give you the strength that you need to run from lust, to minimize the sources of temptation in your life. Let's throw off this sin and run to Jesus. He alone can satisfy our hearts. Thanks for listening to Totally His Running the Race. I trust you are encouraged as you seek to grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to listen to more messages that will be an encouragement in your walk with the Lord, go to the school's website, www.eibibleschool.org, and click on the Resources tab that's at the top of the page, and then you can select the audio library in the drop-down. Training students to develop a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ that expresses itself in a life devoted to the advancement of God's kingdom is why EI School of Biblical Training exists. We offer a two-year unaccredited associate's degree where students attend classes, hear the Word of God taught, study the Word, and are encouraged to develop their relationship with the Lord. Our classes are designed to be both intellectually challenging and heart-searching. Some stay on for a third year and work towards getting a bachelor's degree. If you'd like to find out more about the school, visit our website, www.eibibleschool.org. Again, that's www.eibibleschool.org.